0: At the end of our days, we want to be proud of how we spent that day. At the end of our lives, we want to be equally proud of the decisions that we've made. To do this, we need to face the hard. We need to talk it out. We need to lean into community, relatability, and understanding. We need to hear how other people got it together, how they overcame the shame, hurt, toxicity, and past trauma and chose to move forward. But nobody talks about the hard stuff enough. Life is tough and confusing, and yet we try to glide over the struggles like the glaze on a donut and expect to come out unscathed on the other side. We don't deal with the hard. We just keep moving forward, distracting ourselves with scrolling, Netflix binges, and a busy, busy life. But none of us want to feel like we're drowning or settling in the one life that we've been given. And that's where this show comes in. I long to be a piece of the puzzle that not only extends a hand, but comes alongside of you to live. Live well and to live with joy. On the Living Easy podcast, I dig deep and talk about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing. We talk about the nitty-gritty of marriage, from living like roommates to the confusion of sex and intimacy. We talk about the reality of losing friendships and the art of making new ones as an adult, because let's be honest, it is not always easy. And we explore essential life principles like real forgiveness, making perfect memories in imperfect homes, and how to deepen your relationship with God in a way that genuinely changes. Changes how you live and how you love. God has used the Living Easy podcast to touch hearts in nearly every country in this world. I started this journey with just a computer on my lap as a nursing mom. And since that point, I've had the incredible privilege of connecting with millions of people worldwide through my platforms and through my online courses, such as The Wife Project, From Roommates to Soulmates. At the heart of it all, it is people who make my world go round. Relationships matter and how you feel about your life at the end of your life is of great importance. And that is why I pour my heart into connecting with you. People are everything to me and I share my own stories of my mess, the hardships and my big mistakes on this podcast, paired with all of the wisdom and the lessons that I have learned along the way to bring you freedom. So let's be friends. Click subscribe, grab your favorite warm beverage, and get cozy. I'm Lindsay Maestas. Welcome to the Living Easy Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. This is Lindsay Maestas, and today I am here with the well-known, well-loved, wise Jamie Nato. Hey, Jamie. Thank you for having me. This will be fun. Thank you for coming on. So Jamie and I were just talking about our morning routines a little bit. And you mentioned, Jamie, you have four kids. So tell me their ages and boys,
1: girls. Yeah. I have a senior in high school. So 17, then 15, then 12, and then nine. So boy, girl, girl, boy bookends. We bookend the drama is what I say. (laughs) And where do you live? I live in Kansas City.
0: Oh, okay. Cool. So tell me a little bit about what started your journey of writing and coming to a place where you wanted to share your story with the world this topic is a little bit may seem a little bit heavy or jarring to some people who are not open and vulnerable but I love that you're so willing to share the hard and the your past in order to bring freedom to other people so what led you to feel comfortable enough to do this
1: Yeah, I was blogging for a while. It was when we had a blog spot, you guys, and it was free. And I thought, oh my gosh, you can write anything you want on here and you don't get graded and you don't have to use capitals and you can just be funny (laughs) and tell funny stories. And Uh, So I learned to find my voice there. I started writing and then people were reading it like more than my grandma, more than my mom were reading it. And my friend was like, you have 400 followers on your blog. And I was like, I know I'm pretty famous at this point. (laughs) But, you know, if you're a mom in Kansas City and that's 400 people reading your stuff, it was cool. And I thought, okay, how can I not only just share my stories and kind of tell what I'm doing, but how can I help my audience? Like who's reading this and how can I help them? So I was like, Oh, I'll post a recipe or I'll, you know, it was just simple, simple mom hacks or like, here's the craft I did. This is when like DIY crafts, you guys, we were making things with paper books were being ripped apart and we were making ornaments and things like that. And so it was just an outlet. It was creative. It was, fun for me. And so when my life fell apart, I stopped writing. I think for good reason, you know, I found out that my husband is cheating on me and it was hard because I was such an A plus Christian. I mean, I thought this would never happen to us because we go to church every Sunday. We're in Bible studies. My husband is great. Um, I thought my marriage was good Um, he said, he loved me every day. We were having sex. It's, it's like all the things you judge other people for and say, oh, they must have not been doing something right for her not to be able to keep her husband around. Mm -hmm. And it was devastating. My identity was just crushed because I put a lot of, I put a lot of weight into my identity as a mom and a wife and, and it, it failed me. So I didn't write about it for two years, actually, until my best friend was like, hey, I think that that story could help a lot of people. And and it was hard. Like when I was going through it, I couldn't find Christian women talking about infidelity. Yeah. And like, where is it? Like if this is happening statistically in the same amount of marriages in a Christian home or outside of a Christian home, why are we acting like it doesn't exist? And- the books that were published on it were, I thought, terrible. Like I threw one across the room. It, the opening line was like taking your part in the infidelity. And I'm like, I don't have a part. I loved my husband. I was staying at home. I did all the formulas, power a praying wife. Like I was doing it. I was so committed and it failed. So I think I did it because... I wanted there to be a resource for women who were just so desperate to know that someone made it out alive and whatever that looks like, you know, sometimes it's not staying married and sometimes it is staying married. Ours happened to be, we, we stayed together, but the immense amount of work that it took, um, I wanted people to see it and say like, this is what it looks like. So That I think when I opened up about that and just said this is the truth, of course my husband was totally like, "Yes, you can write about it." Obviously, Mm -hmm. Um, I mean that catapulted my influence. You know, like that catapulted my influence, that catapulted my opportunities. But what I thought was going to be like the end of me, like I say this, you know, I your your stop sign is sometimes your catapult. Mm -hmm. Like everything was going to be over for us and. And then also it's embarrassing, like how embarrassing that this happened and you're going to talk about it on the internet. And I thought, okay, this is either just going to destroy it, destroy me as far as writing goes, or, or we'll see what God does. Mm -hmm. And God just used it, I think, to minister to a very underserved group, the Christian community who, who need help. Mm -hmm. So
0: one thing you said, Jamie, when you said like, what was she not doing? to keep her husband. Is that something that you heard a lot or received a lot was instead of putting some accountability on your husband, was it directed toward
1: you and how did you handle that? Yeah. I mean, I just, I grew up in a real fundamental, real fundamental Christian spaces. And it's, it's, you know, if you just have enough sex, then you are going to have a great marriage. If you wait to have sex till you're married, it's going to be phenomenal. If, and you just need to, uh, always be available for him. You know, just all these messages about you are dictating his behavior and it, it, it does fall on you. So mm-hmm. make sure that you are being like a real submissive stay at home wife and having lots of sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, you know, guys, I did it. I did the formula and I, you know, I would talk to God about that. Like, I, I waited to have sex till I was married because I thought you'll just have the best sex life of, mm-hmm. of all time and, and never any problems. If you do all this good stuff for God, you don't have to suffer. I mean, I really I wouldn't have said that, but I think I thought I'm doing all these good things. I'm doing it the right way. Um, and so I deserve to be happy. And then suffering just found me. And so I'm having to deal with that with God. And say like, why is this happening to me when I, I didn't do the thing. Like I didn't cause this. And yeah, I'm devastated. Mm -hmm. And God really, I mean, God met me. It's like, I call it spooning with Jesus. And my sister (laughs) says, you can't say that. But you know, when you say God is so near to you that You feel his breath on your neck. I mean, Mm -hmm. I just, I needed God that bad and I had never needed God like that before. Like I was doing amazing things for God Mm -hmm. and, you know, out there serving the Lord and doing the Bible studies and bringing the meals. And then, and then my life fell apart and I needed people to bring me the meals and I needed people to come help clean my house. And I needed like help to get up in the morning. Mm -hmm. So It just flipped my world around, but the gospel got really, really deep in my bones. And I remember my therapist to that note, I know I'm going on like a rabbit trail, but my therapist was like, hey, this is like the first thing you said. Um, when I found the right therapist, of course, we found uh, the first therapist was like, oh, you guys need better communication skills. And I am literally devastated, like crying. You know, I'm like, lo- I'm so skinny. I'm losing weight because I'm not eating. I'm just it's um, my therapist. When I found a good one, he goes, hey, I just has anybody ever told you this is has nothing to do with you? Like, this is not your fault. And I lost it. Like, I just needed to hear. He was responsible for his actions and I couldn't have been prettier, smarter, funnier, whatever it is to keep him from doing what was in his heart. Mm Then the man wanted to go wayward and he found a way to do that. And Mm -hmm. so that was really freeing for me. And then to go to God and say, like, is that true? Like, is it true? And God just comforting me and learning to be really strong on my own um, and with God and not having so much identity in my marriage, I mean, so much identity there when he's having a good day, I'm having a good day when he's having a bad day, I'm having a bad day. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I wanted off that roller coaster. Mm-hmm. So I just like, unbuckled um, th- from there and I was like, you can ride your own roller coaster mm-hmm. <laughs> and I am going to get off this crazy, crazy ride and go. Just pray that God does what he wants to do. And I don't, I literally didn't know if he was going to bring my husband back to me or if this was, this was it. But, you know, I had to come to the point of either way, either way, God is going to take care of me. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so, and that's a healthy place to be. Mm -hmm. But I, I'll tell you, I just hadn't, I had not experienced that before.
0: Yeah. So in going back to that moment when your therapist said, Jamie, this is not about you. His affair has nothing to do with you. And as you mentioned, you couldn't be prettier. You couldn't have sex more often. You couldn't do more dishes. None of this would change his heart. Well, then what is it, right? Because our minds in society, in society, we are fed this so often, especially in Christian society that if we're good enough, nothing bad will happen. So then what is it? And and how did you navigate the truth about the reality that this is his heart issue that he has to walk through
1: and that you have to choose to either forgive or not forgive? Yeah. I, there is something about being with God and not doing work for God and not believing that you're in control or um, trying to manipulate the situation so that you get what you want with God. Like God is a genie. And I'm or or I'm going to be really, really good. And then God owes me, which is just another way of control it, trying to control the outcome. Um, but when that fails, I guess I learn and I learn. this is how I learn. I, I'm very tactile, like kinesthetic learner. I want to just do it. And once I do the thing, then I'll learn it. I, you can put it in front of me in a textbook. You can say this is how it goes. So the Bible is like that. Sometimes you read about it, you read about it, you read about it, and then you experience it. Yeah. And suffering has a really unique way of teaching you some of the most valuable lessons. And, and so that's, I mean, it's like, what is it? Well, it's, you're walking with God and you're learning to believe something about God and you're being, you're, you're willing to be confronted that like, maybe I had it wrong. (laughs) Like maybe, maybe my formula is bad because I did all that and I still got a bad outcome. And so removing, we say like divorcing yourself from the outcome and marrying the process a lot of times, but just being with God is enough. Like if that is your treasure, if that is your reward, but it takes when, you know, everything else falling apart and nobody wants that. No one's like, dear God, I would love some suffering today, but <laughs> yeah. that's how I learn. And, and it's not just, it's not just suffering. It's, you know, anything uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, any, that's when I grow the most, you know, when you're challenged, it's like, right. Hey, you should write a book. And I'm like, Ooh, so you would have to sit down every day and, I'm and be structured like as you can see I'm like there's art supplies everywhere and <laughs> I just it's not but it God put a calling in my heart like you are going to write this book so I had to trust like through this process he is going to meet me and he is going to help me tell the truth and tell the stories that are going to help other people and you know the affair is one part of my life I tried to write a whole book about it and I <laughs> hated my life. Like I hated it. I was Mm -hmm. like, I can't, what are all these details for, you know? And Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, my life is so much more, you know, we have a special needs kiddo, or we've experienced miscarriage or, um, and, and a lot of joys and fun things. I grew my own business. Um, and just saying, what if it were all of that? And what if it wasn't like pigeonhole women or you know, whatever, into like, just tell us the message about how you forgave your husband. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I did. And sometimes it happens it happens so long ago. I mean, I'm trying to think of how long ago, 15 years ago, that sometimes I forget about it. Mm-hmm. Like God has restored our marriage so amazingly that sometimes I forget that happened to me. Wow. And That's I'll so read journals and I'll read things and I will be like, oh my gosh. I I don't even remember that. Mm-hmm. You know, so now I talk about it to give hope to, to women and, and men and say, God can restore it. And I know it doesn't feel like it right now. Like I know it does not feel like you will ever recover from this, but Hey, I am 15 years down the road and my life is more joyful. My marriage is more amazing and joyful and fun than I ever dreamed. Mm -hmm. And I was totally okay with it being mediocre. I mean, I thought it was good until it wasn't until, you know, then it was terrible, but I thought it was great. And God was like, you don't even know how good this can be. So, you know, everybody's life is full of, of complications, but I think if you are in the middle of just something that feels so devastatingly hard, just you need to know like it cannot it literally cannot rain forever mm-hmm. and finding that god is with you is going to be the best treasure that you can get and and if you stop focusing on the outcome like i want my husband back i want my husband back or i i want this situation to go my way and you just resolve yourself to letting god do what he's going to do anyway by the way mm-hmm. regardless <laughs> and now i live my life like that and that's because i i learned that 15 years ago like sit down and let God go before you. And and he does it every time. Now, do I still need to remember that? Yes. You will have to tell me that tomorrow. <laughs>
0: Same. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you for sharing that. And I I haven't really had an opportunity. We've had one episode on infidelity, but I haven't really had the chance. And it's something that, as you mentioned, it's not discussed. There's so, so few resources. And yet I will say Probably 50% of the people in my life have walked through some sort of emotional or physical affair. Like it's, it is so widespread amongst Christians um, that I think that it's, it's overshadowed because they're. Is a shame, but it's a cycle. It's like, okay, we don't talk about it, so there's shame, and then there's shame because we don't talk about it, and it goes in this circle. And so one thing that I saw um, in an article that was written by you and your husband, your husband said this. He said, I realized that during the time I was a super Christian, quote unquote, the reality was that behind closed doors, I actually was occasionally looking at porn, occasionally flirting with other women, occasionally drinking too much, occasionally not being honest with my wife, and occasionally doing a ton of other crap that no one knew about all of my occasional sin became a lifestyle of sin that held me captive. That occasional sin in your husband's heart led to lies, which led to deceit, which led to destruction. So how do we as Christians combat that temptation to let the quote unquote occasional sin slide because we're too ashamed to talk about it or because we just... We don't really want to repent. Like, how do we overcome that? Because
1: yeah. that's really how it begins seeping in. Yeah, I think something else that at the time my therapist said, and, and what I continue to say to other women is that sin, like what my husband was doing, had you know, yes, it had it had nothing to do with me and him. Like that's how it played out. Like that was just its arena but what it had everything to do with was him and God. And so there's this thing that we do. It's like, that keeps us in shame. It keeps us hiding. It's because we're going after the wrong thing. If you're playing whack-a-mole, you know, like with each of these sins, I'm going to just get them. I'm going to nip it in the bud. Um, instead of going to God and just like, begging him to reveal himself to you. I mean, and that is a heart of repentance. So like, even if you don't want repent, you go to God and say, I am so desperate. I I can't even repent. You're going to have to change my heart. And I remember my husband praying that um, when we, it, it had been a year or so later and my husband kept praying. We'd like pray out loud before bed or something. And he would always say, and God change our hearts change my heart. And he would say it at a dinner, like when we were praying and he's like praying for the spaghetti. And then at the end, he's like, and, and just change my, change our hearts. And I'm like, that's so weird, like for a dinner prayer. But he was like, so stuck on God being the one to change his heart in it. He couldn't do it himself. And I think it's getting to that point of saying, I can't even, I can't even muster my way out of this sin. And to be honest, even if you can, like. You can manipulate your behavior. You can kind of change your behaviors or like stop something for a little while. The truth is it's whack-a-mole. It's something else is going to come up. Pride in one area and you whack-a-mole at Pride in the other area is going to come up over here until you say, God, I am desperate for you to change my heart. You have to do it. And sometimes it takes just sitting in it and, and you're, and it's just, you're wrestling with God, which is all over the Bible, you know, and you have people literally wrestling with God or just wrestling with him in suffering or wrestling in with him and you know there's a thorn in my side what is this what is this thing that won't leave me alone and and we live with it as humans we will always be afflicted with our occasional sins but i would say you know his occasional sins turned into a lifestyle that was how he was living and it was always it's always a lie it's always hey, this will give you more freedom. This is going to be exciting. This is going to be more fun. And in the end, it was slavery. It ruined his life. It it just, it ruined friendships. It ruined like relationships. It ruined our marriage. It ruined, it just exploded. And his parenting, you know, it was just like, because we got separated and you're just thinking, well, that, that wasn't quite as free as we thought it was. So, you know, I think I would just say, there's lots of things you can do to combat sin. Yes, talk about it, say it out loud, bring it to the light—all those things. But if you don't even want to bring it to the light, you you have to go to God and ask Him to help you want that. I mean, that's how desperate we yeah. are. As you say that
0: that his affair and the promises of these girls and the pornography, how it draws you into thinking it's going to give you this sense of freedom, it's going to give you this sense of of ease and fun and joy, and yet when it comes to the end, it actually just destroys everything around you. And it reminds me of that quote by C.S. Lewis. It says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a vacation at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. In your experience, as you walk through all of these things and you battle through where his heart was and and what you experienced as a whole, I feel like I am just so in awe of every woman and, and every couple, husband and wife. are willing to allow that restoration to happen. And I think so much of it is going back to that quote where it says that there is so much more promise to us, that eternity, that heaven with God, that time with Jesus, endless time with Jesus, so much more than anything here on this earth. And having that eternal mindset can really help to get us out of those occasional sins, the things where we are just seeking out that joy or that pleasure or that temptation. What for you has led just in everything that you've done in your book, and this must be the place and opening up about all of these things. How has that eternal perspective shifted the way that you live and the way that you view your own purpose and identity?
1: I used to have a poster in my kitchen that said, "Think on eternity and live backwards from that." Mm, I good. think it's I think it's Anne Boscamp that said it, but my sister made me a poster because I kept quoting it and writing it on my chalkboard really ugly. And she did not like, me. <laughs> so she was like, Hmm, as a graphic designer, we're going to change that. But when you think about how short this life is and that we're just passing through and that one day all things will be made right. I mean, I think about that. I have a special needs kiddo and she didn't potty train until she's like nine. And wow. it's, it was just so hard to do. And I would just cry. It was so frustrating for both of us and embarrassing for her and just like, just difficult. And I remember just saying like, okay, I am here to love my daughter. This is what it looks like right now. This is not how it's going to be forever. We are passing through and just saying things like, like having little mantras. I don't know if you do that, but I have little Mm -hmm. mantras that I say, because it just brings my perspective back and so sometimes I don't want to do loving things Mm -hmm. so but I can do that I can love my spouse I can love my kids I can because I love my God it's like I am God is with me and because I love God that is going to overflow into my life and you know what sometimes you mess up big and sometimes (laughs) you do it right but God is with me and because I love my God and because This is not all we're living for. And what a shame if it was like, what a shame. It's just, it's like only a glimmer of what we're going to experience when we get to heaven. So it's just having, I think, have those little mantras that bring you back. Like when you think this thing is going to swallow you up whole, Mm -hmm. the best thing you can think on is eternity. Mm -hmm. I think the the best thing you can do is say, no, this is not going to swallow me up whole. It, this is, this literally can't last forever. And it is that perspective. I think it's, I think it is the thing about Jesus that is most compelling to me. I, I don't want this world. Like this, this world is psychotic. Like it's, it's crazy. In, right. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, what are we doing? And then the, like politics and the, we just lose our minds and we put our identity in so many things. And we, Do it in the name of God. And I'm sick of it. Like, I get tired. And I don't know if you, like, when you were a teenager, I don't know how long you've been a Christian, but I was like, you know, we would hear sermons on the rapture, and I'd be like, God, You can come back, but Mm -hmm. if you could, just wait till after I get married. Like I would, like you know, you just treasure the things of this world so much because you don't have the maturity to see like God is better, God is more. Like you, it's just the C.S. Lewis Mm quote. Like these are just. But then, yeah,
0: when you get to that point, then you're like. It, it, people are always waiting for the next best thing. Like, okay, now I'm married. Okay, now I want a kid. Okay, I have a kid. Yeah. Now I want another kid. Okay, now I want a better career. And yeah. it is, it's just this endless striving and endless waiting and seeking out. But what our hearts are actually longing for is eternity. That's why we're always longing yeah. for more because it's the only thing that will fulfill that is eternity with Jesus. And going back to the moment, I and this just triggered something in my brain, and I feel like maybe there are just women who need to hear this or men, that when you said at the table, he's like, Lord, change my heart. I think as a human being, I am a controlling person. And in that moment, I would want to say, what do you mean? Like, I forgave you. You're here at my dinner table. What do you mean your heart isn't changed yet? Yeah. How do you – what would you say to someone – who is walking through that healing process, who's wanting to set their mind on eternity, but the reality is staring them in the face of, wait, but my husband or my wife is still struggling with this battle that feels like it's against me. Mm -hmm. How do you get your mind in the right place and to not put him on a pedestal, to not put him to have that idolatry, but to instead say like,
1: but Jesus, you're it. Yep. You know, it's the, it's the unbuckle yourself from the roller coaster, like vision again. It's, you must separate yourself from their actions and you, you have to understand that they are in process and it's, it's like, so am I. And we're all in process. He's not going to just be sinless. He's not, you know, the truth is he's not going to, Maybe he's not going to never look at porn again. He might do that. The truth is, he could have another affair. Like, that—that that is a possibility. Like, these are all possible He could leave us again. Like, the, these are true possibilities. But I refuse to focus on those things because here's the deal. I am not the God of the universe, and I am not his Holy Spirit, though I wish I was sometimes. <laughs> but... You when you believe that you are their you you are the one that is going to control their behavior, I mean you believe you are God. And I think you have to separate yourself from from that. And and when you really say like if he did this to me again, would I be okay? I mean, I've had to ask myself that question, or it chases you. If if he looks at pornography again, what would will I be okay? And it just, you know, it's like these little daggers, of course, but it tells you where your identity is. It's, I don't do that. I don't go there often, but you do have to check in with yourself. Or if you're constantly obsessing over that, you know, change my heart. What do you mean? Your heart isn't, you better change your heart if you want to like sleep in my bedroom. Um, I just, I let God do the work. I believe that God will do the work in my husband's heart. I just like, I believe God will do the, the work in my heart. And so the striving ceases. Now I get to just exist. Now he gets to just exist, you know, and when you can love each other that way, when you can love your kids without needing them to behave a certain way, when you can love your spouse without needing to check their phone 75 times a day, or just know that their heart is just so pure, which it's not. Um, it just frees you. It really, really frees you to love the people that are right in front of you. It's the same with your neighbors. It's the same with your coworkers. It's it's the same with the difficult people in your life. I am not going to change anything by being controlling or manipulating to get a certain behavior or worrying and stressing that this thing is going to happen to me again. Because you know what? God provided for me over here. and He's going to provide for me again, over here. And I say, that's another mantra. You're like, you really do live by mantras. <laughs> like like when something hard happens again, because guess what? They hard things just keep happening. Mm-hmm. So do good things. But I say all the time, if he, if he did it for me back then, he will do it for me again. If, if my husband is doing that again, guess what? God showed me the first time he will show me again. And in perfect timing, so I really do resolve myself to God being the one in control. I am not going to spend my time worrying. It it takes away from my ability to love others. And, um, and you know what? A person who's worrying constantly and is like a controlling, you know, like just, and you know, they're like stress. We call them anal for a reason. Like yeah. you must be, are you constipated? I'm sorry. You can edit that out. But, I'll leave it. You know, it's like. It's unpleasant to be around, but furthermore, it's not just unpleasant to be around. Nobody's saying, what is her God like? What is her God like? So, you know, it's like as a Christian, I'm just, I'm existing. I'm being who I am. That comes a little bit with age. Like I'm 41, so I'm elderly to your audience. But (laughs) (laughs) it's why I can go to Target and try and... Stupid outfits and like make people laugh because I just don't care. I don't care that you're seeing a little bit of this muffin top that I have in these silver foil pants. Have you seen them? <laughs> I have not, but Target clothes have gone massively downhill. It's in the tough past- time. Yeah, it's pretty rough. It's tough times in there, but there's just something I I want to say magical isn't the right word. There's something beautiful about in my 30s. I said I didn't care what people thought. I actually did care what people thought. And some, somehow in my later thirties and into my forties, I, I just, I figured that it does not matter. It literally doesn't matter. And I spent so much time thinking about it and worrying. I spent a lot of time worrying about things that just, I had no reason to worry about. So, and it was unpleasant and it's spikes your cortisol and you have tense shoulders and you know, it's like, it, it's never good. So I think rolling into my forties, it's just been really sweet and fun to be like, how do I just exist with God? God is with me. What does that look like? How can I live that out fully? And, you know, I wrote a book because I wanted to tell all these stories about my life. So it's a memoir sort of, but I wanted to share like all these stories where God was with me and showed me something and maybe it'll give, you know, other people hope or maybe it'll make you laugh or maybe it'll make you cry yeah. and we'll do a little both. It'll do in, all of it. Yeah. It's so essay. But, but I just wanted to be a testament to say, you know, I'm, I really like her God. I really, I really want to know her God more. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes people just need an on-ramp, you know, they don't need like all the rules and the do it this way and make sure you're in this denomination and, I don't think that's attractive. I think people need an on-ramp, and I think God uses stories to do that.
0: Yeah. Wow. Amen. And this must be the place, Jamie, like captivated me. I remember even just when I first received it, just scrolling through, like flipping through the pages, and just like each page I couldn't flip through. Like I wanted to read the whole page, and so I just started from the beginning. And it really is not only just very well written and raw and honest, but it's, you're such a great storyteller. And I felt very just connected. And I felt, you know, it's, it's so refreshing. And I say this all the time. It's so refreshing to see vulnerability in people who don't have it all together because it's very easy yeah. to be vulnerable when your life has been relatively peachy. Yeah. And like in comparison to that next person, you're doing okay. Yeah. And with a special needs child and coming out from infidelity and these things are, they're challenges, they're beautiful challenges, the restoration and the beauty that come from them. But it's not, I mean, potty training until they're nine, it's not something that everybody wishes upon their own lives. And so right. to be able to talk about it, but also to give hope is just really refreshing. And so I'm just, I'm thankful that God called you to that book and I am not a structured person either. So I understand that the consistency is a challenge, but there's so much fruit that you have created with that that God has used you for. So I just wanted to encourage you in that because it really is it's I get a lot of books to <laughs> my office and um yours really did stop me in my track. So I really did appreciate
1: it and I appreciate having you on here. You're so sweet. It was a fun one to write. It was you know and you were talking about how you it's it's not even satisfying. Like you write the book and it's like a dream. Like I'm going to write this book. It's going to be amazing. And then you realize – then you get it. You get the book deal and you're like, now what? You yeah. know, it's like, oh, there I am again. Yeah. unsatisfied. <laughs> yeah.
0: it's The longing. Well, and that's what I would like to close with is throughout the book, I feel like you really encourage women, people to not be victims of their circumstances, but to instead seek the face of God, to seek the heart of God. And I think it's really common. I actually just had a conversation with a friend yesterday who is really struggling and listed, you know, six things, very big things that have happened in her life. And just this thought, like, I don't understand how, like, I have, just as you said at the beginning of this, I've been so good. I've been so good to God. And I've been so faithful that I'm like, can't you just give me a break. And we had a really good, you know, theological discussion. But at the end, she was like, I I know all of this. You know, I, I know it all, but I can't get my heart there because I'm just over it. I'm over life being hard. What would you vocalize to the people who just feel like, yeah, this life sucks And it's hard. And I've just been this good, faithful Christian and nothing has come of it. And I've been cheated on, or I've been stolen Mm -hmm. from, or I've been left behind and abandoned. I just, why am I going to give my heart to a
1: God who allows those things? I know that's a very big question, but. It's a big question. Yeah. No, my, my son, who's a senior asked that question like a month ago. Mm -hmm. It's, It's not, it's not a surprise to God. It's not a secret question. Like people are asking this question and you're trying to make sense of it. I am in seminary and literally today we learned that the Psalms, the bulk of the Psalms are laments. The bulk of the Psalms are complaints. The bulk of the songs are like grief. And that was encouraging to me because God gave us this book that he knew. Okay. My people are going to carry this book forever and ever and ever. What should we put in it? It's a bunch of complaining. Like the Psalms is, is giving voice. It is affirming the, the devastation. It is uh, like affirming your feelings and giving space for them and holding space for them. And you're giving them to God. So, you know, it's one thing to complain to your friend, it's one thing to complain to your spouse. That can get old. But complaining vertically, right so instead of this horizontal thing that we always have going on vertical is where you want to go so the amount of time that we spend you know hours in conversation with friend like here's all the hard things that are happening which is beneficial but do that with god i spent some time on the trail today and i just i listed six things i don't i'm not really a complainer because in business and i don't know if you're like this but in business we don't complain. You figure it out. You know, yeah. if, if you have leaders that are working with you, I'm like, if you're coming to me with a complaint, you better have three solutions, you know? Yeah. And you're like, I would never work for you. But <laughs> so I that leaks into like what I think about God. And the truth is God put in the Bible words, affirmations, and saying your, your feelings and your grief, and these things are real and it matters to me. And going to God with those things who is he's the guy that's going to have like vengeance for you. He's the guy that's going to heal the thing. He's the guy that's going to do the work. And I think we just don't believe that his will is good enough or that he will do the thing that we're asking for. So we just hold back. I would just encourage anybody who's listening to take some time and just get gritty with God and tell him the things and, Write it down and see how he shows up for you. And it may not be what you think it'll look like, but I promise you, just from experience as your elderly grandma at this point, <laughs> I can give advice <laughs> because I reached the age wise like, mentor. Whether I wise wise mentor, of course, you never asked for said he will do abundantly more than you think. You are thinking too small and he will do it better than you can even imagine. It takes time. It may not be how you wanted it, but can if you can resolve yourself to trusting that he will do the work, you are going to live you you're going to live physically and mentally a more free life.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen. Thanks Jamie. Thank you for being on. It's so nice to These are like I say this probably way too much, but it's so refreshing. Like it's a piece of my community being able to do this and just to build, build relationships with people who are in a similar sphere, Mm -hmm. but just to learn from you and to have the opportunity to just hear you and hear your heart is so refreshing and wonderful. And so, um, I just pray that your book launch goes well, but even more than that, that, Mm -hmm. God is to be seen through what you write and through your story. And I just love that question that you asked is who is her God? Because I feel just as you speak that that is going to be the question of so many that her faith, her resilience, her hope, her genuine, I actually believe this relationship with God is so refreshing and beautiful. And so um, can you let our audience know where they can find you on social media?
1: Yeah, I do most of the Lord's work on Instagram. Okay. I am Jamie Nato on there. There's no E in my name, just J-A-M-I. And if you want to learn more about marriage stuff, there's a infidelity highlight, or you can go to my website, jamienato.com, and there's like a marriage bubble you can click on and find all my dirty secrets and any other podcasts I've been on and any other resources that you might need. Wonderful. And I will make
0: sure to link This Must Be The Place in our show notes. And as always, if you enjoyed this conversation with Jamie, please do tag us on Instagram. Let us know what you gleaned from the conversation. Share it with a friend or family member who may need to hear it. Um, and just continue supporting Jamie and her book. We know how much effort and time and heartache and love goes into writing your story. And the best thing that we can do is to show support in that. So I just encourage you all to check out This Must Be The Place. And we just love you guys. We thank you so much for being here with us and just for allowing God to use this platform to speak to the hearts of so many. And so we will talk to you next week. Bye, guys.